Good morning. This morning we're going to be talking about a hope that doesn't disappoint. We're going to be in the book of Colossians. If you have a hard time finding Colossians, go to the New Testament. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're going to go through Acts. You're going to go through Romans, First and Second Corinthians. You're going to get to the epistles. And Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians 1 this morning. We're going to be talking about a hope that doesn't disappoint. And I think this is a powerful message that God has for us because the last several months as we've been discussing has been very disappointing, very frustrating. In fact, I was looking at some statistic that the, that the CDC gave us, and they were saying that 31% of Americans are feeling some symptoms of anxiety or depression. 26% were feeling symptoms of some kind of trauma or stress-related disorder. 13% started or increased some substance use. And then 11% seriously considered suicide. I mean, these are times where people are struggling to stay encouraged, struggling to know how to move forward. 30% of Americans face some kind of negative economic impact due to the pandemic. And on top of that, we've all seen how polarized our political system has been, how that's created so much anger and uncertainty and frustration among people. And then to kind of make it worse is... It just seems like it's hard to even get accurate information from our media resources. And so we're trying to make decisions that will help us move forward, and it's hard to even find information that we can trust. In fact, I find myself having to fact-check the fact-checkers. And when you look at all this stuff that's going on, it becomes hard for us to move forward when there just doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like things are getting worse, not, not better. And, and all of a sudden, conspiracy theories come up, and there's just so many things that are coming up. And I, People in our culture today are feeling more helpless and more hopeless than ever before. And it just becomes a vicious cycle, doesn't it? The more you feel depressed, the more you feel anxious, the more hopelessness you feel. And then as you feel more hopeless, that becomes more anxious and more depressed. And this vicious cycle continues to move forward as we try to go through our lives and, and become somebody who's productive. And the cycle becomes something that just self-absorbs us. And so the question is, how do we get out of this cycle? How do we move forward out of this cycle that we have ourselves in? Well, I'm glad you asked because I think Paul has some really good things to share with us out of Colossians. So I want us to go to Colossians 1. And we're going to walk through what Paul has to say that might help us get out of this cycle of of anxiety, depression, and lack of hope, this hopelessness that so many of us feel. We're, just, we're not going to go through the whole chapter. We're going to look at different parts of the chapter that will help us understand what Paul's talking about. So as we're in Colossians 1, I want us just to skip down. He has an introduction in, in verses 1, 2, and 3. Um, then, then as he goes into verse 4 and 5, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints... Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. And so Paul is talking to the Colossian church and he's saying, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard, which is the word of truth, the gospel. And so as we move forward, there's four things that Paul wants us to understand that will help us become people who have hope a hope laid up in heaven. Because it changes our perspective so much when we have a hope that's laid up in heaven, when we can understand where we place our confidence. 
And if we place our confidence in knowing that God has given us good news and he sent his son so we could have a relationship with him and we could have an eternal purpose, that's much better than trying to trust in the bad news of our circumstances, which seem to be uncertain, which seem to be hard to rely on. And so Paul is talking about where can we get this hope and there's four things that he identifies in this chapter that will help us be people of hope. People who can have a hope that doesn't disappoint. And so we're going to go through that. The first one is you have to know your purpose. If you're going to have hope that doesn't disappoint, you have to know what your purpose is. And we're going to pick it up starting at verse 9. Paul says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, if you want to pray anything for anybody, that is an incredible thing to pray for. You can pray that for me every day, that I would be a person who would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why should I be filled with that? So that I can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If we understand what our purpose is, our purpose is to be a people who walk um, in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects. If that becomes our purpose, that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that we please him in all respects, it changes everything. Because then it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. Our purpose is not to live a life that's comfortable. Our purpose is not to live a life that's successful. Our purpose is not to live a life that's prosperous. And we get so confused on why we're here. And because we get confused on that, our circumstance begin to determine our hope rather than our God and our relationship with our God. And once we know our purpose, once we know that we're here to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, it gives us a hope that doesn't disappoint. And I, I want to take a minute this morning to really talk about this because I think so often as Christians, we kind of take for granted what it's all about. And we come and we listen to messages and we read our Bible and it just doesn't seem to have a lasting impact. And we get into our day and things happen and circumstances occur and, and our hope begins to wane. Because it doesn't become something that's transformational. It doesn't become something that, that changes us from the inside out. And I, I really want to talk to you all today because this is so important for us in our times. That we understand what our purpose is and that our purpose really is to be a people who walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And if you want to kind of test yourself on how deeply do you believe this, just, just if I sat down with you today and I said, you know, Doug's been preaching for the last eight, ten weeks on, on following Jesus, on walking in his footsteps. And if I asked you, so tell me, what message was most impactful to you? What message made the most difference that really changed your life? And today that you're thinking about it when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it when you go through your day, you're thinking about it when you're finished with your day, you think about it when you go to sleep at night. What, what message was that? And if you're like me, you're going to be scratching your head and you're going to be pulling out your notes thinking, what, that, what did he talk about? Oh, was it the time when he talked about being full of truth and grace and how Jesus would speak truth, but he had so much grace? Was it the time he talked about how Jesus had so much compassion for people 
and, and his compassion drove so much of what he did. And because of that, he knew what his priorities were. And Jesus was a great teacher. Remember, Doug talked about this, and he was a healer. And he, was, he, he cast out demons with authority, but that wasn't what Jesus was all about. Jesus was about seeking and saving the lost. And he had a whole passage about that and how significant that was. And then, the, then, then he preached about the fact that because Jesus knew that, his priorities were to seek and save the lost. So he allowed himself to be interrupted. And he would stop what he was doing. Even when he was on a, on a mission to go someplace, he would allow himself to be interrupted. Or maybe it was the, the message that he preached about forgiveness and how Jesus had the authority to come down on the cross, but he demonstrated his power by staying on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And he talked about how guilt can be such a burden on us when we're not forgiven and we're just carrying that around and it becomes a heavy burden that we can't get out of and it affects so much of what we do. And Jesus died to free us from that burden. Or maybe it was the next week when he talked about not being forgiven, but forgiving other people. And how we get this root of bitterness because we won't forgive somebody. And there are sometimes people have been dead for years and we're still holding bitterness and resentment towards them. Maybe it was last week when he talked about the power of who Jesus was and we watched that video about all of the the proclamations of who our Savior is. And then he said, you know, Jesus was the most successful person that ever walked the face of the earth. But, but what, what was he all about? He was all about humility and submission. And are we people who are humble and submissive? You see, Doug poured out his heart, talking to us how we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And my question is, did that make any difference? Did it change anything? And if it didn't, shame on us. Because we don't understand what our purpose is and we can get so caught up in things and circumstances and our daily activities that we lose sight of why we're really here and we're not really here about our financial situation. We're not really here about our political situation. We're not really here about our, our homes or our careers. I mean, all those things are important, but our purpose is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and that should be the priority of what we do every day. And when we take that seriously, it changes everything that happens around us. We begin to understand that we're to be a light in the midst of darkness. Not a comfortable person living in a comfortable environment. So we need to understand what our purpose is. James says this, he goes in, in chapter 1, James 1, 23 through 25, I'll read it. You guys can look it up later. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So James knows how easy it is for us to hear things, turn away, and totally forget what we heard. But if we can hear what God has for us, internalize it, and understand what our purpose is and begin to live our life according to the purpose of why we're here, it changes everything for us. So not only do we need to know what our purpose is, but we need to know who our God is. It's not just knowing about God, it's knowing God. It's having such a deep relationship with God that we trust him. 
See, hope isn't about, oh, I hope the Dodgers win. I hope the Lakers win. I hope I get home on time. I hope I don't get fired from my job. I hope this disease goes away. The hope that we have in heaven is a knowledge, a confident knowledge that we have a relationship with the living Savior and we will live eternally with him. When we know that that's true, that allows us to become a people that are much different, that are much more powerfully peaceful. So then as, as, as Paul begins to, to move forward and talk about who his God is, we need to know who our God is. So as we get to verse 15 of Colossians 1, Paul says this. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. I hope you didn't miss that. Let me say that again. Let me read that again. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or presidents or vice presidents or house of representatives or congressmen, all things have been created through him and for him. Do we trust him enough to know that that's true? He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also um, head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. This is our God. Last week, we saw that whole litany of stuff that talked about who Jesus was. I'm going to take that thing, I'm going to break it down, I'm going to look at that every morning to remind me of who my God is. Because it's so important for us to know who our God is. Because if we know who our God is, we can trust him with our purpose. If we have a purpose and we don't trust that God is a God who can carry us through the purpose, then every time circumstances change, our peace changes. We're kind of like that guy that's walking along the ridge of a, of a steep canyon and the cliff is a thousand feet straight down, nothing but sheer rock. And he's walking through that just, uh, um, just being amazed by the grandeur of this canyon. And he trips over a root because he wasn't paying attention. He stumbles and he falls and he begins to fall over the edge of the cliff, straight down. He gets down 30 or 40 feet and he hits this root of a tree that's coming out from the side miraculously and he, he hits it and he holds on to it. And he's holding on to this root and he's looking down and there's a thousand feet of just sheer cliff and all that's down at the bottom is boulders and rocks. And he's holding on to this, to this root and he's, he's screaming, help me, somebody help me. Is anybody up there? Please help me. And he's holding on and he's screaming. And he finally goes, oh, God, please help me. Please help me. And he hears this voice. He goes, this is God. What would you like me to do? Oh, oh, please help me. Please get me out of this. Please help me. He says, well, I can help you. Do you trust me? Ah, yes, I trust you. You trust me? Yes. Let go. Is anybody else up there? See, aren't we like that so often? We say, yeah, I trust you, God. And then we get in a situation and God tells us to do something. And then we go, oh, is anybody else out there? And here's the challenge of trusting who our God is. Where do you spend most of your time? 
Where do you spend most of your emotional energy? Do you spend most of your emotional energy building a relationship with the living God, the creator of all things, to learn about him, to trust him, to count on him, to believe in him, to know him more deeply? Or how much time do you spend on TV, watching your news stations, or podcasts, or social media, reading tweets, looking at YouTubes, getting frustrated and angry by what's going on, or discouraged because you can't be who those people are? See, where we pour our time and energy is what's going to work on the inside of us, and God wants to do a transformational work in us, and that de depends on how deeply we know who our God is. Because when we know who our God is, and we know the purpose he has for us, we can move forward with confidence knowing that he is going to do that which he's promised. Because we know that that's who our God is. But if we don't spend any time with that God, how do we trust him? How do we trust him in our circumstances? So not only do we need to know what our purpose is, to know our God in a personal way, but we also need to be a people who are willing to persevere in all things. Because truly, if we know what our purpose is and we know that God is faithful, then it doesn't really matter what the circumstances are. We should be able to persevere in the midst of that. And this is the problem, isn't it? Because things don't happen the way we think they should happen. And it's easy to trust God when God's doing things the way we think he should do things, isn't it? But it isn't quite as easy as it is when things are happening that we don't think that's how it should work. And we want to get to heaven for just a few minutes, give him some counseling, and then come down and live the way we told God we should live. And that's not how it happens. When we can persevere in what's going on, then we can be confident in what God is doing. Paul says this when we move down to verse 23. He says in verse 23, because he talks about the relationship they have, and he says, and indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. If we could, if we could be firmly established and steadfast, not moving away from things because things don't go the way we think they could go. And then Paul goes on in verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I do not share on behalf of his body, but the church is filled with acting of Jesus' affliction. So he has not only glory in the, in the sufferings, but he knows that Jesus had the same afflictions. So we need to be a people who persevere. And Paul says it even better when we, in Romans. If we turn to Romans 5 real quick. Um, I'm not even going to wait for you. I'm just going to read it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Again, Paul knows where he's exalting. It's in the hope of the glory of God, the confidence that he knows who, he, who his God is. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. How could that be? He says, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And listen to this. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God which has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit was given to us. See, what we don't understand is sometimes when God is putting us through situations that we don't understand, he's strengthening our character so we can be a light that shines more brightly in the midst of darkness. 
And we need to trust him enough to know that if we continue to do the purpose that we're created for, to walk in a manner worthy of him, to be people who study Jesus, how did Jesus walk, and how do we walk in his footsteps? And we, and we, we continue to deepen our relationship with the living God, the creator of all things, who created all authority. He is in charge of who is in charge. If we understand that and we trust him, we can be a people who know that if we just do what he's called us to do, he's going to take care of the rest. We don't have to control that. That is freeing. That frees us from anxiety. That frees us from depression. That frees us from suicidal dependencies. That frees us from having to have some kind of substance that we need to take to help us cope with our situations. It's knowing our purpose. It's knowing our God that helps us persevere through the challenges. It's a great thing when we can know that and we can live that way. And then the last thing Paul talks about that will help us become a people that have a hope that doesn't disappoint is we have to be a people who focus on the future, who understand that the hope is in the glory of God. And in verse 26 and 27, um, Paul says this. He says, that, it, that is, and he's talking about, I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God in 25. And he says, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to a saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And here's the thing that we find out is that a lot of times we don't understand what God is doing when we're in the middle of it. You know, as in our men's Bible study, we're studying Micah. And in Micah, written thousands of years before, he is talking about where Jesus is going to be born, a lot of who Jesus is. He just predicts the future. Now, the people at that time had no idea he was talking about Jesus. It wasn't until it happened that prophecy makes sense. Which, incidentally, if you go, well, the Bible is just written by a bunch of men, um, it could be wrong. Well, if a bunch of men are smart enough to talk about what's going to happen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in the future, and it happens exactly like they talk about, I think that goes way beyond coincidence. That's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God, working through people to talk to us and share with us. And so when we understand what Scripture says and we can point towards the future and what he's called us to be as people, knowing that we have an eternal purpose, we're citizens of heaven. Jesus says in this world you're going to have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Know that I have a purpose for you that's eternal. And what we're doing is eternal. It's not all about what's happening here and now, what I feel, see, touch, experience. It's about what he's called us to be and who he's called us to be. So when we can keep our eyes on the future, when we keep our eyes on what is, what's in front of us, the hope that we have in glory, and, and think about what it's going to be like to be sitting in the presence of Almighty God. I mean, we can't hardly even comprehend what that will be like, but it's going to be spectacular. And when we know our purpose is all about being a light and letting other people know about that, sometimes light shines brightest in the darkest times. And let me tell you this. Nothing would be more discouraging than for us to be going to heaven and people that we know, people that we had relationships with are on their way to hell and we see each other as we pass and they look at us and they go, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? I mean, what would we say? Oh, you know, well, I was too hung up on, you know, the debate. I was too, you know, I, you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I don't want to talk to you. I mean, what, what would our excuse be? 
When we don't know our purpose, we get caught up on things that, that have nothing to do with the eternal purposes of what God has called us to be. So listen, in closing, I just want to say this. Because when we talk about a hope that we have, I've been talking a lot about spiritual things. And what I'm not saying is that you don't have to be concerned about the things that are going on around you. That we shouldn't be concerned about those things that are happening around us. Because we should be. We should be concerned that our culture has a value, that a biblical value, and, and praise God that we're in a country where we can speak our minds, where we can vote, where we can um, protest, where we can do the things that we need to do so people will know the values that we have and that we want our country to have those values. We want our countries to be biblical, law-abiding country. We should be good stewards of our finances. We should be a good steward of our career. We should be a good steward on the homes that we live in. We should be responsible to live a responsible life. That's being a good steward. That's being a good citizen. But I just want you to know, that is not your purpose. Your purpose is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, if you do that while you're doing those other things, praise the Lord. Because you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord in your career, being a godly man in your career or a godly woman in your career. You're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord as you're dealing with voting for the person you want to vote for or being a part in the political system or being a part in educating people and having discussions about things. That's a good thing if you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, knowing who your God is and knowing that it's not about winning the discussion, it's about being a light in the midst of darkness. When you know that your finances are about being a good steward and you want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord with a God that you know as you deal with your finances, that's what it's all about. But we get it backwards and we think it's all about these things and then he fits in around all this stuff and it's all about him and this fits in around him. And when we understand that, we can have a, a hope that's eternal. We can have a hope that doesn't disappoint because we know our purpose. We know our God. We persevere in things that don't make sense because we know our purpose and we know our God. And we keep an eye on the future, knowing that we are eternally um, focused people, bringing people into eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. And Father, to some degree, we ask your forgiveness that we are so distracted by those things that are around us. We're so distracted by all of the stuff that's going on and we tend to put more emotional energy into our culture than we do into our relationship with our God. And Father, we want to be a people that put our emotional energy into knowing you more deeply, walking with you more deeply, being transformed by your Holy Spirit as we submit to you, we listen to you, and we follow you. Father, empower us to do that. Give us a strength to continually keep your purpose before us, continue to deepen our walk with you and to persevere as we go through it. And we're going to praise you for your faithfulness. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.